You only get into, out of the game what you put into it, Shelley. Mm-hmm. And I put everything into it I could and still do for the people and for the people that I was playing for and the people that I was manager for. I didn't cheat them out of anything. So I put all my heart and soul to the extent that my family suffered. Do you yeah. regret that at all? Oh, yeah, I regret, oh, I regret it very much, yeah. Somebody said the football's a matter of life and death to you. I said, listen, it's more important than that. Welcome to the Friday Football Show. You are listening to Man Marking, the podcast that uses football as a vehicle to encourage men to become more comfortable talking about their mental health. Today is Friday the 24th of September. My name is Dan Reed, and much like the previously mentioned Wayne Rooney, had I known about the mess that this podcast was in behind the scenes, I'd have never have taken the hosting gig. But I won't walk away now. How very honourable. Yeah. I won't. I'll <laughs> stick with it. A captain must go down with a sinking ship. Your staff are giving you all they can as well. Well, that's it, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's episode two of the Friday Football Show and it's already down the can. How are we, boys? Ryan, how are we, mate? Fantastic, mate. How are you? I'm good, mate. I'm good. 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 And how are you? Little cup of tea there. Yeah, mid-swig there. Yeah, you were, right, weren't yeah, you? Yeah, you were, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was trying to get it in, trying to time it. <laughs> Well, you know, mm, got you away with it. Wet the whistle in it. Yeah, a little got... wet of the whistle. <laughs> Absolutely. Right then, fellas. As we did last week, mm. I want one thing from you that you've enjoyed from the last week of football, and I want one thing that you haven't enjoyed. And I'm going to mix it up this week, and I want Ryan to go first. Do you want the good or the bad, mate? I mean, well, there's dep- definitely no ugly around here, is there? Ah, <laughs> oh, the fellas, true. little cuties, all of oh. us. <laughs> I'll start with the bad. Oh, and end on no. a good. Oh. And when I say bad, I think it's more I'm just confused by it and I'm wondering what's happened to football. But I was flicking through The Athletic, which is a, a, a very good sort of app to use if you want to sort of see what's going on in the world of football and other sports. What's it called? The Athletic. Oh, right. And I came across <laughs> an article about Smith Rowe being in demand and I thought, good young player. Obviously, um, there's going to be a lot of clubs vying for his signature. Mm. But no. He's in demand amongst boot sponsors. Mm -hmm. And the article goes on to say that he's currently wearing blacked out boots while he makes up his mind what boots he's now going to wear. And in his contract, let me just read you this. In the absence (laughs) of in the absence of quotes. (laughs) In the absence of an agreement to renew that deal, the England Youth International entered a six month window where he is not permitted to use boots from other brands but can entertain rival interest. (laughs) Nike has the chance to match any offers in the hope of persuading him to extend. As deliberations and talks continue, Smith Rowe is thought to have prioritised comfort over aesthetics. Now, when did this this become a thing? Because the article then goes on to say that Saka made a high-profile move from Adidas to New Balance. I mean... Have any of you heard about this move? How so, high profile was so, it? So, I mean, I'm hearing about it for the first <laughs> yeah. time now. In particular, with football, I'm hearing about it for the first time now. This is really common with like golf yeah, uh, and signing, but that is because you're using that equipment. So if Rory McIlroy signs with Taylor Made or of course, goes with yeah. Cobra, or, of course. Yeah, it's of course. reminded me a little bit of like when Lewis Hamilton moves from like Vauxhall to, you know, like <laughs> Toyota or I don't know the cars. That's awful. Yeah, we'll come Nissan. back to you. Yeah, yeah, them. Yeah, a little mini Metro. Lexus. 
So and here's Lewis Hamilton in the Lexus. <laughs> so that's what I've heard previous stuff like this before. Football boots? No, I just thought well, they were always no, but see, given to them. No, no, no. See, of. now, I, I see. We all remember what boots David Beckham wore. Yeah. Okay. And he, we all remember. He's not fucking that's David Beckham. Is he? No, 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 no. But what yeah. I'm what I'm saying is, is like the idea of footballers becoming like synonymous with football boots and football boots becoming a fashion statement was kind of around that era so you had obviously the Adidas players the Nike Vapors as well yeah. um, which total, Ronaldo total was wearing the total well, 90s yeah. Ro- Rooney wore and so players kind of got synonymous with the, with the boots and so it is a big thing so I think at a lower level I think at like Tramies level I remember hearing that the clubs give the players like a sports direct voucher with like four hundred quid or something on it. Honest, like this is I'm not messing. I swear to God, I they got told this one. years ago, and they um they would they go and buy their own boots, so you could just go and buy as many pairs as you wanted. Do you remember when we used to play? Tram used to play friendlies at Vauxhall Motors. Yeah, they used yeah. to have that big silver thing full of the boots. big bin full of boots. Um, so I don't really know what happens at lower levels, but you do it. I remember when I was in school, there was a lad who was in my year who played for Everton, and he had a some kind of boot sponsorship they do, they thing. All, they all get deals, don't they? I think what surprised me is I thought it'd be a bit of a conflap in the background. Oh, yeah. Discuss what boots you're going to have, pick what boots, but to be entering, like, six-month windows of having unbranded boots... Well, they're not the unbranded. They must be branded by some... They must the, be branded. The Nike, but they're, like, all, out, they? all black. See, all right. I really like all blacked out boots. Yeah. And apparently yeah. this is how it's come about. Everyone was saying, oh, I love blacked out boots. Smith Rose wearing blacked out boots. And it turned out he's wearing them because he can't decide uh, yet but the athletic has got a done. lot of content a lot of pages to fill a lot of articles to write haven't they true yeah i mean true. The, the, maybe the only other time i've ever seen them like you know like a sports team or sports players and cricket sorry to bring it up cricket players get the get a more heavy switch stuff they're sponsored <sighs> they're sponsored by like you know, new balance and, <laughs> and other cricket makes if they don't have one so for instance when ben stokes was Are you done yet no when ben stokes <laughs> was in court his his deal got taken away by GM. I thought you were going to say when he was in court, he had to wear like New Balance. <laughs> no, 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 no. In court. <laughs> oh, God, imagine that. Yeah, no, his deal got taken away by by uh, New Balance. Sorry, and then he, I think he's gone to GM, or it might have been the other way around. General Motors. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, they'll play a game with a bat with like no stickers on. That looks really odd. Oh yeah. So there all you go. the best Similar. sports that use stickers, don't they? Oh, yeah, but it's just a, it's just a big advertising right. thing, isn't it? Ryan, what what that was the thing you didn't enjoy? Yeah. What did you enjoy? I really enjoyed learning this week that <laughs> Callum just Best got it there. Just Callum Best <laughs> is the chairman of Dorkin Women. Okay. Now Dorkin. Where's the Dorkin lads? <laughs> yeah, like that. Thanks, Thanks, yeah. For those who haven't heard much about Dorkin, they were only established in um, 1999 and have had 11 promotions since. And the owner is also the manager. But they are quite a forward-thinking club. They are now in the Conference South, I believe, um, or National League South. And the manager is a good friend. How of, many levels are there? They've had I eleven. Oh, they must have had some re- from scratch. They must have had some relegations in there. I'd Perhaps, but if you, st- I don't know what's the lowest. But they might have started below Northwest Counties. They might have been like Sunday League. Yeah, um, well, yeah, like West Cheshire level. But, but Callum Bester's is friends with the the current manager, and apparently, do you know that hair game two campaign mm-hmm. that went round? He was retweeting that online and he was really passionate about seeing the girls game get more exposure and this is how it come about he approached um his friend at Dorkin and said what can i do to get involved 
um, I'd like to raise the profile. And um, he said, well, why don't you become chairman of the women's team, which is just newly set up. He's um, he's already funded free entry for anybody to go watch the team for the rest of the season as well to make sure the attendances go up. And I just think it's a really nice story. He clearly cares. Mm-hmm. He's trying to arrange a game with Man United ladies to kind of do a my dad's team versus my current team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it... it I think when people see the headlines, they think, well, what's in it for him? What's he after? Yeah. And if you if you read about it, it just seems like he genuinely does care about the women's game and raising its profile. And I think he's been a bit... He talks about he's had a few demons with football because it mm. follows you around when you're with the son of a famous footballer. It's, are you as good as your dad? Are you this or you that? And he ended up disliking football and moving away from it because of that pressure around him to be this footballer. And I think... Mm. He's found an avenue to enjoy football again, and I think we've talked about the the profile raising of the women's game and more TV deals and seeing more of it on the telly and people attending matches. And it's nice to have somebody of of his sort of stature, yeah, yeah, feel like he can do his part to raise the profile. So I thought that was a really nice story. Um, what was the? Um, I'm going to take this on a slightly different tangent. What was the program that Callum Best was on? Oh, there's been tons. There was a it was the there Love was Island, an, there was an yeah. old celebrity Love Island, celebrity Love Island. Yeah, that he was, was with it. he was with another famous footballer, Bianca Gascoigne. Yeah, there yes. we go, I got to, I remember that. Superb. Yeah, Superb. I think everyone remembers that as he from being quite young. I think that's <laughs> a yeah to, to to kind of drag back to Ryan's Ryan's story. Um, I think as you say, Ryan, I think it takes the profile raising yeah. of those things, doesn't it? And people getting involved and almost dragging it to a level of public attention sometimes yeah um be interesting to see how that develops really maybe we'll see dorking in the uh in the football league sometime soon perhaps yeah i haven't um, read too much into how much money they've got but to have 11 promotions in that span of time they must be spending some money and they've got a new stadium and things but um presume neil warnock's involved if they had that many promotions probably yeah of course or he will be the time technical director yeah um and Something you've enjoyed, something you haven't enjoyed. Uh, but something I've enjoyed is just the general buzz about football. Okay, uh, over, over, this is over. vague. Bring it is it quite narrow. vague. It is quite vague. But the general think of buzz the listener. About, think of the listener. Yeah, so, so what are these? What's he? Sorry, mate. Go on. More importantly, the fact that these games matter. Like, yeah. Whereas last yeah. season, they just kind of didn't, did they? I mean, yeah. you could make it sound like they did, but it was a bit rubbish with no fans there. And in particular, that West Ham United game on Sunday. It was brilliant. It was it? absolutely amazing. <laughs> because, I mean, all I've known about West Ham Stadium is it's a bit rubbish. It's a bit, it's not great. It's actually not that great to watch it on a telly. It's not purpose built, is but, it? No, of course. And it, it's, it was actually really good. There was mm-hmm. like so much entertainment in it. And obviously, my next point uh, will kind of lead on to that. But it, it was just that good. And yeah. like seeing everyone excited on your Twitter timeline for football on a sat- Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and it's like, See, oh, this is actually really good. People traveling up and down we, the country. We were watching. We were we were messaging the other day when Liverpool were playing Norwich in that League Cup game in the week, and whilst the game was a little bit of a a damp squib, so to speak, um, the Liverpool fans sounded like they're having a bloody great time. Yeah. Um, and that was that. You know, that was enjoyable. It was pretty silent. Carrow Road. Everyone there just going. God, we are absolutely doomed this season. And the Liverpool fans were singing, Maggie's in the mud, in the mud, God. over and over again. Yeah. It's like, no, yeah, okay. Yeah, a lot of people joining enough. in at home, I think. Yeah, I think so. I was, um, all this kind of stuff about fans coming back into the ground and stuff, and obviously we had a long period without them last season. I'm thinking of starting like a new sort of like phrase and stuff, like to get it, you know, like. Oh, this is going to be good, isn't it? Uh, what is it? 
football without fans is nothing. I've come up with that. Okay, great. Brilliant. I think we should start that. <laughs> see, if it, see if it'll catch on. And what uh, didn't you like this week, on? <laughs> <laughs> um, that? that. <laughs> Just leading on from the, uh, the old... This week's man marking. <laughs> <laughs> the, the old West Ham United game, VAR, and the discussion around it, and... Oh my God! It's just, it's hard watching a game where you know that mistakes have been made, and you've got video assistant referees making the same mistakes. How that penalty on Ronaldo wasn't given is beyond me. Which I mean, one? The the last one the last in the one, last yeah. minute. And then I was like, oh, this is actually quite entertaining because you've given one up the other end, and it's well, going to go off. We'll see in the studio. So I this... like that bit. But I was like, this is so boring because then I'm going to get it for the next. So where was it? Was it the Harvey Elliott red card tackle? I, like. That went on for days in our WhatsApp group. Yeah, I, I, I was it, I was to blame for that. <laughs> Screenshots and, and everything. Yeah, it's kind of like I, I, I just I've got a I'm getting a bit getting a bit sick of it, like hearing I, it all the time. You like, said it before as well, haven't you? Well, the only thing is, I'm now gonna I'm almost gonna flip reverse oh, it on God. you. I quite enjoy it, you know, <laughs> especially now you've got fans back on the ground and everyone's fuming. So it's why I like watching Everton. Did you just see people the, fuming? It's funny. Did like you it see just the is. video of Pogba when he was walking off the pitch? At West yeah, Ham. yeah, Actually, yeah, that's funny. I like that. Get that on the VAR. Yeah. <laughs> What's your solution, right? You have the same ref and the same VAR team and just stagger the games. The same oh, ref God. just does every single <laughs> game. We just have a bit of consistency. It'll be knackered. It'll be shattered. Like, it will be shattered. But we just... How else to do it? I want a bit of consistency. <laughs> I haven't changed my top for two weeks. What, what more do you want? <laughs> um, do you want my two? Oh, of course. No, I reckon we move on. Do you reckon we move on, <laughs> I mean, sorry, I, yeah, am, yeah, I am the host. We'll move on when I say we move on. Um, the thing that I enjoyed... Uh, to go slightly serious for a moment is that the announcement from the government that there'll be a white paper which will be stating that gambling firms will be banned from football shirt sponsorship. Mm. Um, you got any more details on that? Because they're just sort of headline. Yeah, I did a little. I did a little bit of reading. At the moment, there's not an enormous amount more than that. At the moment, right. that it's the government are basically going to put it out, but it's they obviously this stuff comes out before it gets officially put out, doesn't it? But that's essentially what it's going to be is the, the shirt sponsorship to start with. Apparently, they're also discussing um, a ban on gambling advertising pitch side and on TV commercials as well. That's also under consideration, but it's not. they're not particularly confident that one will pass at this stage. It, it's funny, really, because it is, it is, for all intents and purposes, take every bit of scepticism aside, it's a good thing. It's oh, a good step yeah. in, in the right direction. Um, the thing that, one of the things I was reading about was that someone was worried about whether or not it was like, the government, it's a statement to make because it's a thing that's front and centre for people without actually tackling a lot of the problems that there are in, with, with, with gambling and stuff and the, the kind of invasiveness and stuff of the, of the internet because the government's policies and the, and the legislation and stuff involved hasn't caught up with the, the tech that's involved. But I think, I mean, we've done quite a few bits and bobs about gambling. I mean, we did the Scott Davis episode back in May of last year, which was our fourth episode. Uh, and we did the um, Not For Me Clive episode about can you be a football fan and avoid gambling with it. We did that with GamStop, did me last year. That was October last year. And it is, it's a huge problem. It's a really big problem for a lot of people. And, you know, there's a lot of people who are doing a lot of really great work to try and bring it to public attention. And it seems to have worked in terms of, you know, it's, it's something that's been discussed for a long time. And I, I was quite surprised to see it, even though I've got lots of people on my Twitter who are campaigning for it. I was like, God, that seems to have come out the blue almost. It seems like the type of thing people are going, you've just got to do this now. Mm. 
you know, like it's this is getting beyond ridiculous you you you, you know what i mean like so i think it, it all all in all it's a good thing but i think it's one of those things where you go it's not the end it's the beginning do you know what i mean yeah, yeah it has to be the beginning because i mean if, if you take them off the shirts and you still got them round everywhere I, it's still gonna have a, a big effect on people yeah like watching it and i know the people in the ground aren't necessarily gonna gonna sit and watch the advertising holdings but um, Depends how bad the game is, though, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it does, yeah. I mean, we were looking at one for big dudes for quite a long time the other day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> big dude, all extra large. Got two, two XL to 10 XL. Christ. Um, that, that entertained us for a good 15 minutes <laughs> it in a, did, in a yeah. lull in the game. Um, but I think it, it it does have to be the start. And I have noticed more recently all those gambling firms online and on, on the telly, on the, on the adverts, are promoting deposit limits and timeouts and all this mm. and there is a an often a, a, like a rebuttal to that is if that's what you're promoting and that's what you need yeah. to promote then it's surely it shows your product bad. is dangerous so there's two there's two ways of looking at it yes you can say that but at, at least a, at least they're now promoting that the fact that you can do that so possibly it, it, but they, it, they've basically been doing forced it. into yeah, doing it i know why they're doing it but yeah i mean i, I signed up to gamstop a, a few months back and it's it's been one of the best things i've ever done yeah um you know, I'm no longer like scurrying off somewhere to go and put a bet on on my phone and hiding stuff away. So it does really work, and I'm hoping that it's just damaging, isn't it, towards yeah. like kids and stuff. Like, I, you know, back in the days, it was like Doritos and Top Man and stuff like that, mm. and it was like local areas and local things that they give you the sponsorship. But yeah, hopefully, it can go back to that. I, I wouldn't want to see a load of kazoo sponsorships i'll tell you that how do you think football clubs will react to the potential loss of revenue well it's interesting that because the thing that i was reading about was saying the amount of clubs that there are i mean we did talk about it in that episode that we did with with gamstop but it's i think it's nine premier league clubs and 15 or yeah 15 championship clubs have got front of shirt sponsorship and there's only one premier league club who doesn't have some kind of partnership with a betting firm so, uh, I don't know, to be honest with you. It didn't say. It just said all but one. Probably Norwich. Probably Let's go, let's go prob- with Norwich. Probably Norwich. Um, oh, yeah, it might be actually because they got something on their shorts, didn't they? And then everyone kicked off and they they, yeah. they said they weren't going to do it anymore. Um, but, yeah, oh, the, yeah, I think that the, the funny thing is is that people talk about the loss of revenue for football clubs. But then I remember I was listening to somebody once saying about the amount of revenue that that they that betting companies put in like the, the, to football clubs at that sort of level compared to like some of the other things you know it was like you know they'll, they'll sell the, the, the shirt sponsorship for like 20 million or something but then they'll go and buy a right back for 45 million and you're like it, it's it's you just need to reevaluate stuff you don't need to, it's it's not a lot it's not a loss of revenue it's just you that money's just it's it's, it's just dirty money in it you just don't want to involved in your game i think the other thing as well is looking at, at clubs like tram yeah we don't we don't have like betting yeah that's involved. out of, that's out of choice that's because we don't it, want it do no no it is but you know we're not like going into the administration are we because we haven't got a betting no, sponsor I think for a lot of clubs it was real lines them join them so mm. if someone's offering I don't know look at the championship 5 million versus mm. 10 million that 5 million quid it's not going to be the difference between existing and non-existing but it might be the difference between signing a player who helps yeah, yeah. and I think you might need got, to bring Dexter need, Blackstock in or something. As you said, you need that blanket approach of no one has it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Some have it and some do. Do don't. you think uh, the tipping point is the fact that a lot of the shared sponsors are 
companies that you can't even use in England. Yeah, well, it's interesting that, isn't it? Because mm. it's because it's for a global audience, isn't yeah. it? So you get lots of ones from from Asia and stuff yeah. as well that people can't use. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. it kind of remains to be seen, I suppose. But it, it it's certainly a, a step in the right direction. I mm. wouldn't. I, I mean, I wonder how it'll affect like the other industry. I mean, obviously the the main industry is horse racing, isn't it? Mm. So. I don't think they'll lose any revenue from shorts, it. Uh, ho- horses don't wear shirts, yeah, so well, they'll oh, be they're, fine. Well, they're fine. They're not. I don't think they'll lose any revenue from it, the, the gambling companies or anything like that, but it might might bend yeah. them a little bit. Then, again, they don't really pay their way there either. So No. Yeah. Um, and then the thing that I didn't enjoy was Pep Guardiola after the Wickham Cup yeah. game in the week talking about B-teams in the Football League. And I've just written on my notes... He just needs to fuck off. That's what I've written. In the words of our friend Barry Mack, silly little dickhead. Yeah. I think that's all we need to say, really, to be honest with you, because... It comes up, it comes up all the time. I'm sure, sure, listeners, for anyone who is listening and anyone who tunes into our podcast, I'm presuming you're of a similar mind that it's nonsense. If you put B-teams in the football league, it's the death of football in this country. It's the death of it. And I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to come in here with, 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 with big statements, although I do like to do them. But that, but it is. That's I think the, it, 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 I wouldn't go if they put BT. I'd stop going. Me, I'd just <clears> be yeah. like, I'm not. I'm out now. The, the I'm doing something else. The English else. game has benefited more than any other league in the world. I think from foreign ideas and influx of foreign mm. players and foreign managers and foreign coaches. But with that, you have to be careful of the different cultures historically throughout the different leagues. If you go to Spain. There isn't that many well-supported clubs, so the addition of mm. B teams doesn't make a huge difference. Whereas if you go to England or Germany, I mean, there's so many clubs in German second tier get forty thousand a week, massive clubs. Same with our second tier, our third tier's got like the Sheffield Wednesday in it. These aren't just little tiny towns of two thousand fans, mm. and not, and that shouldn't even make a difference anyway. You shouldn't do it to those clubs, but the influence of it's a different culture isn't it exactly yeah and I think that's what Pep needs to miss out he needs to remember that Manchester City were in League 1 up 25 years ago was it yeah yeah 1999 well someone it? was saying imagine how different that whole whole Man City story you know of them winning the, the playoff game against Gillingham Paul Dickhoff scored and yeah. the late goal how different that would have been if it was against Blackburn's under 23s just loan these lads out or sell them and don't hoard them yeah. and they'll have an opportunity well it's interesting really because we, we've got a story to discuss later on which is kind of linked to some of that so we'll, we'll, we'll get on to that type of thing in a little bit let's let's move on then to what we've kind of been uh, been discussing this week one of the stories that have kind of caught our eye and we're going uh, we're going straight to you mate and I'm gonna I'm gonna hand it over to you and I'm literally gonna I'm gonna say two words and those two words are safe standing yeah, it's uh, it's on its way back. It is. Uh, you know, Premier League clubs and Championship clubs have been asked to, for expressions of interest to pilot safe standing areas this season, mm-hmm. which I think is a, a really great move, to be honest. And, and I know um, they've consulted a number of different organisations, fan organisations and, and the like. And it's a no-brainer, it's, isn't it? It's, uh, well, yeah, I mean, it, it, there's there's got to be different ways of enjoying a, enjoying a football match. Mm-hmm. And... You know, people want to stand. Sometimes standing, I know particularly some. You're told to sit down, but sometimes standing when there's seats around, it's not. It's not really that safe, no. to be honest. <laughs> I've been through a few yeah, of them. Exactly. In the so past. it's it's not the best that for fans it is right now. Um, just because of the you know, as you say before, like the culture of the fans, like mm. they're not going to sit down, and particularly when you're away from home. You know, if you if you no one sits down when you wave home. What are you laughing at? Just just on the safe stand, didn't it? Just last you went there, you had the cricket last week. Um 
a lady stood up in front of us mid-game <laughs> while we were watching Tramia last week. To Callum McManaman was running across the box. Yeah, to which our friend Paul said, tell us what's happening. <laughs> 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 and she was really embarrassed by it and he was nice about it, wasn't he? He yeah. said, I'm only joking with she, you, it's she, fine. But you do have that feeling at a football ground sometimes. Like, if you're joining in with songs, you want to stand up and you think, well, the person behind me hasn't followed and I'm just in the way. Well, you, I felt, I, the thing I thought you were going to say, right, was... Uh, we we do this thing at the match where we all sit in the carpet tram here and there might be a uh, there'll be a point in the game where and, and Ryan is always the designated um, sort of flag bearer for this. <laughs> He'll tell us it's time that we're up, and it's like and sometimes it gets it gets flagged early on, seventy two minutes lads, and we're up, and that means we're up until the final whistle, getting the lads over the line. And uh, normally we normally look to our friend Barry to lead the chorus due to his volume. And uh, we were all stood up for a good 20 minutes getting it going. The whole ground then was, yeah. by the end of it, the whole ground was giving it. Mickey Mellon was giving it large to the crowds and everything. But it wouldn't have been the same. We'd have been sat down. Like, no. we'd have been crap. You can't even clap your arms and or then, elbows especially people. Because you're tight in like <laughs> penguins. Do you know what I think as well about this the safe standing thing? It didn't surprise me. I mean, I know there's been a, a lot of talk about it for, for a little while well, now. Like, just, to, just on that, just to say that, I mean, Chelsea, Liverpool, Man City, United, Tottenham, Tottenham. Wolves, they've all had it installed at the ground. We'll so see this. That's the it, thing. It starts at the top, doesn't it? And then comes back down. And I think it's, I just want to say, I think it's a really good idea. Yeah. Well, that's the thing that, that, that it for me, when... Obviously, when Tottenham's new ground got opened, you can see in the big stand behind the goal, the one that the, the really big one, you can see where it, the, they've already put it in. It's yeah, just not yeah, yeah. in yet, if you know what I mean. So it was like, why would you spend like a billion pound on a stadium, put it in if it wasn't going to be able to be used at some point? And it said to me, right, they obviously know this is coming at some point. Shrewsbury. Shrewsbury. They started, mate, to trickle down to the top ends of this world. From yeah, Shrewsbury. exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, well, the salop. Uh, do you know what? I just think it gives it gives some of the fans, and particularly the older fans as well, like a connection back to the game that yeah, they yeah, kind yeah, of had. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's kind of it might the, make atmospheres improve at yeah. a lot of grounds because I do think they're missing that for a while. Uh, you know, everyone always pines for those previous yeah. days, and there was obviously a very very good reason why it's more family it was, friendly yeah, now. Why it was taken out, and and you know the atrocities and the and the, and the, the tragedies that happened. But that was because the the technology and the people who were looking after that technology were absolute charlatans. Yeah. So that shouldn't happen yeah. right now, and the technology's there to make it very very safe. Exactly, and I also I think it's one of those things where we did an episode with Kevin Cowley, didn't we? Who was a Hillsborough survivor, and we asked him, "Would you be in favour of safe standing?" And he said, "If it's safe, I've got no problem with it at all." And so I think it is clearly a very emotive subject, but I would imagine that. Liverpool fans who go to game will be people who'd be in favour of it. Do you know what I mean? I, I, and I want to go when I said about atmospheres in the grounds. You know, obviously it, it is more family friendly, and I do think that is the right way to move. But there is room for a family friendly element of the football, and there being a really good atmosphere. You can have both. It, they don't have to be mutually exclusive. And hopefully, the safe standing gives us an opportunity to move back towards being, you know, grounds that have got good atmospheres because it's one of the best things about going to the football. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Ryan, you wanted to talk about Wickham taking people to court. What's all that about? What's happening here? What are they up to? Yeah, so I don't think they've decided on the action they're going to take, but it's come out that they're considering their options and they're keeping a close eye on the the Derby County situation. And this Mm -hmm. is partly because... So are we, by the way, because it's very entertaining. True, true. Yeah, he is doing his best. This is partly because... 
they didn't get dock points last season and now they're likely to get dock points this season to which Wickham technically would have stayed up last season mm-hmm. and I think Sheffield Wednesday got dock points and evidently went down off the back of it um, now the kind of issue I have with this is the means in which Wickham got promoted which was yeah. how they voted to end the season early when they were, in the I playoffs. Think, were outside the playoffs yeah. and then due to playing more games their points per game was better slightly tiny amounts than Peter Bovis. so I kind of take issue with you're happy to accept the league rules when it suits you yeah. and now you're really upset that it's gone yeah. and it hasn't actually gone against you because I don't think they were ever out of the relegation zone for the whole season well see the thing that I thought about it as well was, was from what I can read sort of Derby's misdemeanours which they're being punished for were from the 2017-18 season and so I know there's obviously kind of legal procedures for the league and stuff to go through but see because the, the, the immediate thing that it reminded me of was Sheffield United and West Ham when West Ham bought Carlos Tevez because Sheffield United mm. successfully sued West Ham for 18 million and that was what it reminded me of but I was like that was the same season like West Ham brought Carlos Tevez yeah, in and it clean, illegally yeah. Yeah. kept them up and Sheffield United got relegated in their place. This feels like, I mean... I, I, it's a stretch. It, it feels it's like a, a stretch. It's a massive stretch. Properly I mean, does. Partly because what you said there, they weren't out the relegation se- zone all season. They yeah. only just about finished below Derby. And if anyone's got more of a claim to it, it's the team who are playing against Derby in Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah. They've surely got more of a claim to that. Absolutely, yeah. And I remember thinking that at the time, going, well, you've only got these players because you've broken all these rules, so you're winning because you've cheated. Yeah. And Wickham shouldn't have gone up. And then they paid. They put all the staff on fairly as well. Yeah. But they wanted to extend the season for the playoffs, but couldn't do it anymore because... Or couldn't extend the season or something like that, but play the playoffs and then put them put the staff on fellow. Yeah, they were it's saying madness. lots of those clubs were saying we can't afford to continue the season. Madness. Unless we but we can't afford to play the playoffs and get promoted. And, but, and, think, sorry, and also you, the amount that they're saying it it's cost yeah. them feels a massive stretch yeah, as it well. Is, yeah, they've they've said it's directly ten million, but it could be as much as twenty. You said we've faced COVID nineteen, we've faced other issues, but our club is stronger today than it was two years ago. So why are they worried about the money? Well then? exactly financial yeah. sustainability for us is not just a slogan, it is a way of living every day. For us to be denied putting twenty million into the coffers of the club that could have set up a generation has been looked at. Now you cannot tell me Wickham can afford to lose twenty million pound over <laughs> twelve months and still call themselves better off financially than they were, it's just it's kind of taking two plus two and getting five. I don't think I think the EFL needs to look in general of punishing clubs who've got no money with fines and points deductions because it seems counterproductive to getting them out of the mess. Now you've got to find a way that's fair to other clubs. Transfer embargoes, fair, fair, fine. Administration, administrators to come in and balance the books, fine. But to go, Derby got fined a hundred grand last year. Um, can't remember what it was. It's like they've got no money. What, why are you? Why are you charging them a hundred? I don't. I mean, let's just go back. To, I just found that. I found, sorry, the the hundred grand thing because that was that I was reading about that before. Let me try and find it on you. Talk, Anton. I'll sorry, find it. It just on goes you. back to the EFL. Though. I mean, it's just weak. It's so weak. It's untrue. I mean, the faster they have with Wigan, the faster they have with calling the season over the other year. It's the I mean, fit. It's, it's, it's just the, 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 they've they need to sort the fit and proper person's test out. They need to sort that out from the outset because the the, the I mean. Mel Morris sold Pride Park Club to himself, himself. Yeah. and um, the the hundred grand fine. By the way, it was because they uh, they had to reinstate. They had to they they did their to submit their, their accounts wrong. wrong. Yeah, yeah. 
amazing. It was an administrative error, or or was it? You know what I mean? But yeah. like, what if if you can find them a hundred grand? If they if someone has a hundred grand to pay a fine, then a hundred grand is not an ex- a, applicable fine. Do you know what I mean? Like, but imagine a hundred grand. Imagine four people, five people lose the jobs at Derby. That equates to a hundred grand. I know it doesn't work directly. No, like yeah, that, but yeah, but you should you should ring fence that money and go. We're not going to take the hundred grand, but you need to prove to us you've used this hundred grand yeah. to pay that loan yeah. or to pay these people because they're not paying wages well, and you're getting fined. It makes no yeah. sense. Well, it, it was like we had. This is like a kind of separate thing, but it, it goes back to the way that the FA and the football league and stuff manage these type of things. Is um, there was somebody there was there was a journalist on one of the podcasts that I was that I was listening to who said what they should do which has been suggested to the Football League before, is that if you are an owner and you're buying a football club, you have to basically buy the club twice, essentially. So say the club is... it. Say you're buying the club for six million quid and it costs, you know, four million quid a year to run the club. You have to prove that you have 10 million and you put four million in an account the yeah. EFL controls. That was Davin McAnthony. Was that who it was? Yeah, Peterborough chairman, yeah. And so that when, if and when you end up in that position, you end up insolvent or you go into administration because of whatever has gone on, the club doesn't suffer from it. Yeah. That the club can still, you, you know, you can be removed worth, yeah. and you've got a year to sort yourself out so you don't have this problem. Well, I did. It obviously is difficult to hire up the levels you go, but those problems don't really impact the clubs higher up it's the it's the it's the lower down clubs that this is a real issue for the reporting on this was really funny as well because um i was listening to for some reason i was listening to adrian durham give an opinion on this good god and he started talking about (laughs) it and he went yeah well we need to remember that uh that leicester had a similar problem and i was like all right okay i can't remember leicester being in administration they were yeah back in 2004 they bought the stadium went into administration it was how they ended up in our division yeah and and then he was saying, and then he broke FFP. I was like, to sign Jamie Vardy. And I was like, well, hang on, hang on, hang on. You need to stop saying this because all you're doing is making a big excuse for all these clubs again. Mm. It's really silly. Mm. Like, there's, shouldn't, there's no excuse for it. They're breaking rules and I mean, they're not doing what they're meant to be doing. So, I mean, there's another one as well, Andy Pilly. For, oh. for Fleetwood is up in front of the court for fraud. Yeah, I mean, the, I said wanted. this at the start of when we started the podcast. The EFL have no idea what makes up their their football league. No, of course, and they have no come out with more suggestions oh, that God. they should. The EFL should get twenty five percent of the broadcasting rights for the Premier League, and it starts off like a really good idea, and then you listen to the more ideas he's got, and you're like, you're a fucking idiot. Have you held <laughs> the positions <laughs> that you hold? Who's he's, this? Um, Parry. Rick Parry, because oh, he was behind, he was involved in the big project. He's a maniac, him, isn't he? But um, yeah, just last one. This don't want to go on too long. Is um, what was I actually going to say? Um, Come on! Oh yeah, it was that the problem you have when you get bring administrators in with the fit and proper persons test, which is obviously a farce. Is that clubs are that close to going under that even if you can get someone who can give them two years yeah. over a year, you're that desperate, you kind of go well past the baton and this mm. person will see them through because that's a win if this well, club that, doesn't go yeah, on. That's, yeah, what yeah. Happened with, that's what happened with Betty, wasn't it? Just sold it off for, what, a quid? Yeah. And then to the fucking devil. Yeah, exactly. And it's just Sounds it's like just too ridiculous. much for Betty, if you ask mm. me. Um, Ryan, your other thing that you wanted to talk about, mm-hmm. weakened teams in the League Cup. Yeah, it's shite. And it? I feel like what's going to happen here is that we're, you're going to end up having a dig at Everton and I, for one, am up for it. 
<laughs> no, come on, come on. on. Well, do you know what? I feel sorry for Everton because, and that probably sounds horrendous coming from a Tramway fan. <laughs> but like, they're not in Europe this year. They haven't got the biggest squad in the world. But you're only going to play your Premier League games and your Cup games. QPR ended up drawing Sunderland for a chance to get to the semi-final. Is it the quarters next no, round? Is it? Yeah, no. Next round's quarters, isn't it? Is it? Pretty sure. Oh God. Maybe maybe verify that as I'm chatting. Wham. But. Even, even even if it's to beat Sunderland to get into the quarters, yeah. you're giving yourself a pretty good shot. And I think it's to get to the quarters. Um, see, now, I, broadly speaking, agree with the principle of your points around teams who've got no other real commitments resting players, but... Everton I, don't have much depth. Everton have got so many injuries. Yeah. that And the team they put out, Begovic, Kenny, Holgate, Godfrey, Dina, Gomez, Davis, Townsend, Iwobi, Gordon and Rondon, if that lined up in a Premier League game, it wouldn't be like, bloody hell, look at what Everton have put out today. It's like not that far away from their normal team. Yeah, but you, the, the likes of Damari Gray and that on the bench, just go and win the game. And I'm not saying they would have done full strength. QPR are a, a good side. They're going to get playoffs this year, as we've established a few <laughs> weeks ago on the prediction show. Um, but... You just and it's not just Everton. A few clubs have done this. Um, a, lot, a lot of clubs do it, don't they? And, oh, they all do it, like yeah. And, they, and they've got massive squads, so they can do it. I mean, it's a bit annoying as a, as a lower league fan when you're going, oh, you've still got really good players. That's <laughs> annoying. I know, but it's all relative, though, but isn't it? Because all the other teams have got good players. Actually, as well. went full strength, didn't they? So I mean, I think uh, Burnley went pretty much full strength. Burnley don't change that team. Brentford went full, like very strong against Oldham, although they were never <laughs> losing that. You <laughs> just give yourself a chance at winning the trophy. Well, see, the funny yeah. thing was, as I saw some. Um, so Man United made 11 changes, didn't he? And I saw some United fans tweeting saying, um, oh, calm down, stop having a go at Ollie, you made 11 changes. And I was like, West Ham made 10 and beat you. <laughs> and has Ollie won a trophy? No. So again, even though people go tell me the League Cup, but it's not, it's your well, first trophy. Mourinho and, and Guardiola both always go and try and win the League Cup because it's 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 a good early it's good to get that winning habit up and running I, I i yeah they do try and win the league cup they still play like squad number 90 in in most of the games but yeah they do try and win the league cup because they know it is, is a really it's beneficial in it um can i say talking about the efl in in the week um sky's choice of tv games um and i'm going to use the word basic bitches because it is like the most, you know, this is hits top 40, whatever. This now top 40 games ever. And like, you know, when, you know, when, um, you know, when the BBC gets the FA Cup games and so they pick to the, to the the round a game that's got two Premier League teams in it because they don't get to show Premier League games. So they're like, oh, this is sort of a Premier League game. So we'll show this one. Sky like have done that. They had Norwich versus Liverpool and West Ham versus Man United, which is two fixtures that Sky have already had on the telly in the last few weeks. Yeah, they're on Sunday. We already watched. <laughs> this has already happened. Why are you showing? And they yeah, were but like, this is ten different players. This is shit. You know True. why they do it because of the ratings. It's crap. They had. There was some. Here's some other games they could have picked that would have been much more enjoyable. I know. But Millwall versus Leicester, Man City versus Wickham, Arsenal versus Wimbledon, or QPR versus Everton. There's a lot more narrative in there. What's the fuck? Fucking point in putting a cup competition on the fucking telly if you're going to pick Norwich versus fucking Liverpool and West Ham against Man you fucking knighted it's stupid it's ridiculous no one wants to watch it it's crap I watch both of them um, <laughs> um, Hammers Rodriguez is moving to Qatar 
Yeah, Dream Club. He said he grew up wanting to play for them <laughs> and it's an honour to put the shirt on. I was trying to explain Him this. and Robbie Keane, you both big fans. ticket holder as a kid? <laughs> I was trying to explain this to one of the people in work today. And um, I was just saying, well, they just spent like loads of money on contracts and they can't afford them, basically. 220 grand a week. That was one of He's their but highest paid I mean, player it, in the history of the club. This comes from Everton's or just Qatari Club? Uh, Everton. So we were speaking to uh, Phil Haywood last night, a big we Everton were. fan, and that, that interview's coming out soon. And he he highlighted to me that there was what five managers in the last thirty six months of yeah. football for Everton. Yeah. Like yeah, after after you, twelve years of Moyes or whatever uh, it was, of course, yeah. of course you're gonna have Which a few issues. Which is a shit sequel. You're gonna have a. <laughs> That's good. That's really good. You're gonna oh. have a few issues with FFP, aren't you? You've paid Walcott. You've paid Sigurdsson. You've paid. Rodriguez. For legal reasons, we can't mention Sigurdsson. I don't know if that's still true. Mina, you know, like all these big players. Yeah. Do you ever hear the story? Yeah, Rooney on Rooney, the box Rooney, uh, Davy Classen. Oh, Do you ever hear the story of the bin man in early 2000s? He won 10 million quid in the lottery and then eight years later he was back to being a bin man. That was Everton when they got money. They did not know what to do. They were like, what do people pay? But it's a hundred grand a week. You you're on hundred grand a week. You're on hundred grand a week. You're on hundred grand, grand a week. Who was that? Who was that? But a lot of and now they've gone. I know. Let's sign Demarvi Gray and Andros Townsend yeah, for like no, no money. Oh, they're quite good. Phoning up Rondon and being like, "Have you got your subs for this week?" <laughs> um, who was that player who signed for Leeds? Um, and his agent said. That when they were going, and this is on Seth Johnson, Seth Johnson, yeah. and they said, um, Maximum, maximum. He said, We're going in there for 30, 30 grand. No, 13. No, 30. And I the, thought it was 15 and he got 30. Yeah. No, Something I think like it was that. it was 30. And he went in and Ridsdale went, 40 grand, we won't <laughs> pay anymore. <laughs> Still got more, I think, as well. Didn't oh, it? That, it just reminds me of that the uh, the, the gif where he's like, um, <laughs> we may have spent too much, but we lived the dream. <laughs> that, that's Everton. That's looking around the Everton dressing room. Theo pre- Walcott. And a lot of <laughs> Premier League clubs do it, don't Cheng they? Tossen. Yeah. You know, like City have paid so many people so much money. They have to mm. loan Sammy and Nazri to Sevilla the other year yeah, because he couldn't go to a well, Premier League club. Well, they had to take Sevilla action, didn't they? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't go to a Premier League club because no one could afford him. No well, they, one could afford well, these this players. Is, this is the funny thing though, isn't it? It's like, because Arsenal have had, had this issue with Hazel, didn't they? And all Championship the, clubs have got the same issue. All these clubs have got a huge problem. Man United, Man United have got it as well. Juan Mata still plays for Man United. Yeah, yeah he's a good Matic. lad, Juan Mata. Nemanja is still there. Yeah. yeah, I don't know about Nemanja Matic. Phil Jones, 100 grand a week. Yeah, Phil Jones, 100 grand oh, a week. Oh, he's been chipping off this week, hasn't he? Oh, uh, Oh, don't have a go at Phil. Yeah. Phil Jones had a tough time of it. And Rio Ferdinand had a go at him for no reason. And yeah, yeah, I haven't seen it. I've just seen him Rio Ferdinand's off. a fucking idiot, by the way. Mm. Yeah. So Phil Jones basically was saying how he's had a really tough time of it. He had he had real problems with his mental health and stuff when he was he was going through oh, so injuries yeah, and stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then Rio Ferdinand was on a podcast and said if I was in a team with someone like that, he said he called them a waste of space, oh, and then God. said if I was in a team with someone like that, I wouldn't talk to them. All right, okay, I, I apologise, Phil. I, I'm all for you, mate. Yeah, absolutely out all for order. you. Out no, of no order. Um, Pop. Yes. You've got quite an interesting story to bring to the table. Although I, 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 I think it's, I think there's um, any, any sort of litany of ways that we could, we could go with this conversation. Do you want? Do you want? Do you want to? You want to present it to us and the listeners? Yeah, um, Oliver Lancashire. I saw, saw an article. Oliver Lancashire signed for Southampton under twenty threes. He'll never play a, or he most likely. There's going to be a crisis. Will, isn't there? will never play 
a first team game. He's thirty two and he's basically there as a mentor to the young players. What's his what's the title? they've got an official title, haven't they? Player support. Support player. Yeah, yeah support player. So this has actually happened at a few clubs. I think you've got Gary Dicker, Andrew Crofts, and Paul, Paul McShane. McShane. But I think Paul McShane's an actual coach as well. Player he, coach. He yeah. is. So I was really interested because I remember Ola Lancashire being pretty good. He was playing for Crew. Mm-hmm. He's in League One. He's 32. And I'm thinking, if you're out of contract, there must be 30 teams around those leagues mm. going, do you want to come and play for us? Yeah. As Premier League club goes, Here's some money, and I know he's got a connection to them as well. Came through there, you've got yeah, you've got a connection to him, so that's fair enough. But here's here's quite a bit of money. The guy who recruited him is his mate as well, yeah, isn't he? You can come and play for the under twenty threes, and I, there's two ways of looking at it. One is the connections, his mate. Mm-hmm. You know, it is quite a good thing. It's it's pretty much being a coach without being a coach, and he is learning doing his he's badges, doing his badges as well. Yeah. It's a but great the, gig for him. Yeah, oh, it's a lovely old job, but the. Other side of it is, there's like loads of teams there that would have signed him, and the law of being able to play in that role has cost someone a centre half, which is quite a sought after position. Well, funnily enough, do you want him? Do you want my take on it? Uh, yeah, because I'm unsure whether it's a good thing or a bad I think thing. It's a, I think it's a terrible thing. Yeah, I think it's a chilling portent of things to come. Um, of him being a support player. Yeah. Why? Because so the idea. So obviously, back in the day. You know, you know, football, the way football clubs used to be used to be run, eighties, nineties, even probably into the noughties at that level. The reserve teams in the first team were all made up of like senior players, and they they play together. Even even like a Tramies level, you'd go and watch a reserve game, and they'd have you know first team players and stuff playing in it. And so what would happen is is that young players who were coming through coming through the academy system, who were good enough to to get promoted, would naturally play with older players, more experienced players. And we've had enough people on the show you know, doing interviews who've said how beneficial that was for them to be alongside some of the more experienced players. But it's with the new under-23 teams, they're completely siphoned off. So the under-23 teams and the first team are like completely different entities altogether in a club. And so they're basically artificially making this happen. And the issue that I've got with it, which is why I think it's concerning, and it's partially linked to the thing with Pep Guardiola and the B teams, is that the Premier League have created the system with P and with the under-23s and with Premier League 2 and with the Papa John's trophy nonsense as well, where basically they just take all of the best young players off all of the clubs around them that aren't as big as them and can't pay as much money as them. They take them basically for no money at all. And they're now taking the experienced players that should be playing at this level to guide the younger players because they haven't got the experience of playing with older players because of a system that they've created which benefits them. So they're basically having their cake and eating it. And so you were gonna end up in a position where, as 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 Pob says, he you know, Ollie Lancashire could have been a really crucial player for someone in a lower league this season. And if Southampton hadn't have brought him in. And this isn't I've got nothing against uh Ollie Lancashire taking that job because it as as Anne says, a lovely old job. But I just think that there's. I think it's just. Can I play stinks. devil's advocate with this a bit though? Because I I think it's quite a good move personally. Ollie Lancashire, he, at 32, he might have got a few offers, but I don't think he's going to make an unbelievable difference to somebody at that level. There'll be another Ollie Lancashire hmm. 
down the lower leagues. Now, he came through Southampton's youth team. I think it was when they were really struggling with money in the championship. Mm. I remember he got sent off on his debut and he got sent off again a few weeks later. He ended up leaving the club with quite bad disciplinary. So there's someone who's gone through that process of going from youth team to first team to lower league. But that's not the bit that I'm... That's Don't not you the, dare that... cut across me, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> that was genuinely terrifying. No, but see, that just, just before you continue... That's not the bit that I've got an issue with in terms yeah, of... but I'm building. I'm building. Now, I think... He's building. Let him build. I mean, if you look at the under-23s, it's not completely cut off because you've allowed four first-team players to play in a game and a lot of injured players go to the under-23s, get the fitness up and come back. So there is some exposure. But I think if you're a young lad... Okay, so why did he need to sign Ollie Lancashire then? If there's some exposure. Because he's going to be a permanent fixture in there. So if you've got somebody who's had that lived experience of coming through a youth team and you've got a group of players who have never maybe even potentially played a professional game in their life. I think I quite no, a but nice again, that's not the board thing. and a nice... But you're saying but I don't that... Dis- like, but I, no, but I think the problem is the the problem that they're fixing is a problem that they've created because of their own greed. Yeah, there's two separate sides. They've, of it, they've stolen all the players and put them but in a, fa- if, a farm, if, if a factory. If every team had two of these players at most, and they probably won't all have two, that's 40 players. Amount of people. That's two squads at our level. You could argue that that's opening up opportunity for other players, though. No, if but, you're taking out... I mean, if you're... But I think, if, but I think well, if you take that to its natural conclusion... But how, how often do we talk about how difficult it is for lower league players to no. transition away from football yeah. as well? No. This is another opportunity for these players because Oli Lancashire's from Southampton. He's playing yeah. in the northwest of England, mm-hmm. probably in an, an okay wage. Coming to the end of his career... He could be now at Southampton. No, but again, as I say, I'm not disagreeing with all that. I don't. I'm not disagreeing from that side of it. But you've got to look at the positives. To then, if you're going to say it's a terrible idea, what I'm saying is we'll look at these the the positive elements of it. But I see what I think is is that what you what you're seeing is that side of it, and so you've got to like should do in the interview saying, "Oh, this is great. I'm loving it. I'm getting to give something back." And then, in for me, what it looks like is. It comes in the same week as Pep Guardiola talking about B teams going into the football league because he doesn't think that the teams, the youngsters in the city academy are being exposed to proper football. But the reason that they're not getting exposed to, in air quotes, proper football is because of teams like City and the way that they've designed the system to suit their own end so that they can just hold all of the players. And so ultimately, the reason why they now have to manufacture a scenario where they artificially implant someone like Ollie Lancashire into the system is because of a system that they've created, which means that all of their players just play against one another because no football league club can compete with them to, to keep them. If you took a better, and there's no offence to Ollie Lancashire, if you took, I don't know, League 2's leading scorer at 28 and did it, I'd be more inclined to agree. I don't think a 32-year-old Ollie Lancashire but let's say is a massive one. No, but no, no, but but you take it to its natural conclusion. Let's say, for example, Jay Spearing's had a contract with us at the end of this season, yeah. and we want to keep him. And Liverpool go, Jay Spearing came through the academy here. We'll just give him four or five grand a week. He'll come and play in our under twenty threes. We'll do his coaching badges for him, and we go, our fucking best players just gone. We haven't got him anymore. Yeah, yeah that, if that's that the starts to happen, but at the moment, that's no, I don't a bit more hypothetical. Isn't yeah, it? that that could be a long way away, but you can see how that might might come around that could happen mm. I don't know whether it'll happen a lot I don't know how beneficial it would be for them anyway yeah. personally have the, one the player in there is it going to do that no, much the managers and the coaches and, and whoever else and maybe make it a player coach that might work a bit more they should be able to, to impart this wisdom to be yeah. honest I'm but not being funny employ him as because, the gaffer because something. most of the time all most of the time these managers of under 23 teams 
They're former players anyway. Yeah. They've been around that club. They've like been Mickey around. Butt. For yeah. me, though, it seems like a conscious effort, and we've talked numerous times about player liaison officers, yeah, no, support and, officers. And but I, I don't think, think that's what it is. I there's, think there's positive elements to it. I do I, agree. I, I, I don't think there's much sinister nature around how Southampton are run and I think that's one of the reasons why I'm quite positive about it because I think they're quite a positive club and they've probably produced more professional players in the most recent years than most clubs a lot of them have filtered down to the lower leagues they give a lot of people chances and I don't know I'm looking at it thinking players will just naturally fall anyway so if you, I remember being in watching Tramier in uh, National League and Roger Johnson was playing for Bromley like these then type of players will just fall and fall and fall so I don't think Ollie Lancashire was going to have a great career from 32 onwards to the point well, where it's had a detriment that. to... Well, you say that, but we've got a 39-year-old centre-half, so they're, they're definitely still able to be, to be Oh, used. yeah, I'm not denying his ability. True. I'm just thinking that's... So, so many fa- people fall out of football mm. because yeah. they can't find a club that someone would just fall straight yeah, into and his and position. Look, we, we don't know the ins and outs. Maybe that was the case. Maybe he couldn't find the club. And, 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 and he's, not he said he, had all, he, was getting all, he got offers. Well, that offers, and I think we have to factor yeah, but in. Yeah, is that like kind of like when I go, oh, I got plenty of offers the other night, like you know? But we have I mean? to factor. I done. I was there. I was giving them. <laughs> you have to factor in. There's a fella at 32 who's now happy that, yeah, no. that he's got this role, yeah. and I think I'm not again. I don't have a problem. well by the player. As yeah, well, there's two like. different sides. So it's yeah. uh, it's the, the I just club don't. side of it, and then it's the player side of it. And I, I just don't I'd trust clubs at that level yeah. to do anything in the interest other than themselves. I'd ultimately. absolutely think it's a great job for, for Ollie Lancashire yeah it's, it's a fantastic. lovely old job mm-hmm. um, do you want to know uh, the, the type of us. do you want to know that what the type of impact players who are in that role you know we talked about some of the other, mm. other examples Paul McShane being one Gary Dicker Gary Dicker played for Brighton's under 23s in the uh, or under 21s in the Papa uh, John's Trophy uh, away to Walsall got sent off after an hour <laughs> <laughs> so it's been a bit moody though hasn't he <laughs> <laughs> but Tramia yeah, brought back him completely different role we brought back Steve McNulty to work in the college this year yeah. it's um I don't he's, know. he's playing in the in the college team. Imagine how many times he'd shepherd it out of play. It'd be ridiculous, <laughs> wouldn't it? Um the last the last story, the the thing I wanted to kind of talk talk about, which was similar sort of angle to that ride, which is why I, th- I think that's a, an interesting story that you brought to the table, and was the Panorama documentary that was on the BBC in the week, um, which was called... Football's Broken Dreams. Football's Broken Dreams. Thank you very much, Ryan. Um, which was presented, uh, put together by a journalist called Rory Carson, who I've been in contact with on Twitter, and he's going to come on the podcast for us oh, as excellent. well, which is good. Yeah. Um, and he it was essentially around sort of some of the stuff that, that you were just talking about there, Ryan, and some of the stuff that's come up in a lot of our interviews around the difficulties for young players going into academies and going into that world and being spat out at the other end. And we've had, you know, five or six people who've had that kind of experience, haven't we, on the on the podcast. And so I just thought it, it was it was a really interesting documentary. There wasn't anything in it particularly. There was a few different bits and bobs that, that, that were interesting. There wasn't anything majorly that I, that, that I was surprised by, if you know what I mean. Like, it wasn't, like, brand new information, but I would imagine for lots of other people it probably is. Yeah. And it was good that it was on the BBC. I know it's probably not a prime-time slot, but people watch Panorama, and I do think it, it's it's one of those things that, like, people might feel like, why is that a, why is that, that much of an issue? Like, it, you know, to get paid this much, you know, blah, and all the rest of it. And so I thought it was it was interesting. There was one th- that a lot of it focused on um, agents and the way that they their involvement with, with kids at a young age. They were talking about, um, you know, A.D. Ward and people yeah. like that, basically. Um, but there was Kieran Maguire, you know, from The Price of Football. He mm. was on it. And he said that his experience of academies is that there's like a like a factory farm mentality 
that it's 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 you get them in, you chain them out. Essentially, is is kind of the idea. Um, and I think it's 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 that's why when we're talking about that thing with Ali Lancashire, I think like with E Triple P, it just increases the volume of kids that are going to fail, that are going to fall out of that academy system. And one of the the the, the the issue that I have with it all, which is which is which is kind of linked to that story as well, is that you get a lot of Premier League clubs now. We were talking about player welfare and player well-being and things that they're doing in the academy to try and support their young players, and that being an important thing for them and being part of their ethos. And you know, I I I, I believe the people on the ground who were doing the work and stuff. I think it's admirable, and they, and I think they do care. The people who are on the ground, Alan Lancashire, sound like he does genuinely care about the the, the players that are in that team. But my issue is that they've caused the problem in the first place. The environment is the problem. The academy system is the problem. And they're treating the symptoms and not the root cause. They're not going into there and going, mm. there's a huge issue with, with academies. There's a huge issue with the, the uh, amount of pressure that we put on young footballers. And we see it with, you know, you see it, you see a kid walking down the road who's in a, in a full Liverpool kit and a, and a, and a tracksuit and all the rest of it. And he's probably eight years old and he plays at Liverpool's academy. And everyone now knows he is so-and-so plays in Liverpool for the for the next 10 years of his life until the point where he doesn't anymore. And he's got to go and tell people he doesn't play for Liverpool anymore, even though all he's been told all his life is that he plays for Liverpool. And that's been um, his, like, thing. Yeah, the thing yeah. that gives him self-esteem. Yeah, and it's absolutely. taken away, like, that, like, gone. And the difficulty I have with it is that, yes, you may be putting things in there for support. Yes, you may be putting player well-being stuff in place and player liaison officers and all this sort of stuff. But you will continue to have problems if you don't fix the system in the first place, and they never will because they don't care. Ultimately, what they want is well. thousands of players so they can get the one or two best ones. And I just think the system is so broken. And it's I just think so. The thing is with the, the, the examples again with the agents and the club, it's like grooming the way that they bring these players in. I mean, you've you've told the stories about people going to certain clubs and stuff, haven't you? From Someone that you know works in 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 that arena. Oh yeah, yeah. and so some of the stories are just you it's know, the longest I'm job pe- interview in the world, essentially. Yeah, because massively. it's it's like we go for a job and we find out in two three weeks if we've mm. got it. You're you're interviewing these boys from eight nine ten, and they might not make it the time the twenty. I and I th- and I completely agree with you. And I don't think putting is hundreds of Holly Lancashire's in teams will fix that problem you're mm. talking about. What I'd hope it does is when we hear these horror stories of, I think it was Neil McDonald, was it, at Villa a few years ago, a bullying, I think Bellamy's had a few of these horrible stories where these players have been manipulated and they've got nowhere to turn, they don't feel like they can go to the manager, you've got a senior head in there, they go, this isn't right, this, I'm here yeah, to protect yeah, yeah. them. And I think the fact they've put the onus on the player, and that's officially in his job description, He'll be there as a bit of a sounding board, and he's not going to fix the endless problems, and it's not going to be a perfect world. And you're spot on with that. It feels but, to me a little bit like what Ant was saying before about gambling. The fact that you have to do that says that there's a problem with your system. That you, you, you I understand that, but it's there. It's I'd understand that if they were naturally occurring problems, but they're not. They're manufactured problems because of the system that I you've think created. What you're going to have to do then is you're going to have to essentially say you're an academy player but the end result isn't for you to become a professional player and if you do it's a bonus because the current structure is if you've got 20 plus lads graduating every year hmm. you're not going to give out 20 contracts well, no, a year well, this is what I mean. I'm, and I'm not, I'm not sitting here saying that I've got some kind of great solution oh, well, no, to not, it yeah, all yeah. but yeah. I just think I think part of it is 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 top down in the, the, the way that we kind of glorify the Premier League and glorify football at that level and it's the celebrity of it and stuff and I think that's not just football's problem there's a whole overload of industries who have that same issue with 
you know, it's the same with like child actors, isn't it? That used to be the thing, you know, when, you know, back in the day, that used to be the same sort of thing, didn't it? That you would be able to get rich and famous before you were even like sixteen years old. And yeah. and so, I mean, we saw Kate Gordon playing for Liverpool the other day against Norwich. She was sixteen. Got Derby a hundred grand now. Pay, pay the fine now. Well, there, there you go. There you go. Um, <laughs> yeah, just, but I tell you one. Sorry, go on. So on. Just on that, it just it just reminds me. I mean, more realistically, if people don't understand how how competitive that world is to get a, into being a footballer, you know, when you get sold the dream of university and yeah. they go, oh yeah, go on, you can all go to uni for free, kind of a little <laughs> bit, a little bit of tax every month now and then if you earn enough money. Oh, but you know, everyone else has gone as well. So the degree that's going to get you the the job. Cost yeah. me like fifteen hundred pound a year, my degree. Every everyone That's else, a disgrace. Is, everyone else has got you one got as well. You got the middle aisle and Aldi, though, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> so you just, you just end up Pure in leg this, room. <laughs> you just end up in this massive competitive fishbowl. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> trying to fight for food, like yeah. literally. Well, there was there was one thing in the documentary I thought was kind of, I don't know, it kind of made me a bit uncomfortable. So obviously there was the really tragic story about about Jeremy Weston, wasn't it? Um, that was was that last year, was that? It was yeah, recent, yeah. wasn't it? There's still not been an inquest into his death. Really? Nobody's done an inquest. Not the FA, not the not the not no the Premier took League, responsibility not the club. For it at all, Nobody's done an inquest. There's a young person there who's taken his own life, yeah. and there may or may not be some link to the fact that he's been let go by a football club at at, at a young age. Mm. Now Manchester City are saying that they've reviewed their the way that they do their aftercare and stuff and that's you know it is what it is um but yeah. the fact that there's been no inquest in that is i think that's disgusting yeah, personally sport, sports in general is pretty bad at, with with any kind of inquests i mean you look at the azim rafiq stuff with yorkshire and racism and it took the ecb to remind them that they had to re- mm. release the report can you release it can you release it will you just give us the report for them to mm. do it and then they they initially came out and said Oh yeah, there wasn't anything. There was a few things, and like yeah, just did yeah. like a little bit, and then eventually released the whole report, and everyone was like, "No, there's a bit more than a few things, mate." So yeah. there, there is an uncomfortable element to sport, and uh, I think the US gymnastics team have recently oh, God, just been yeah. up in in in, front, in court, and I mean the cover up there, they could have opted to help, you know, countless young women, and instead they chose to help one fella. Yeah, mm. and. You just see it time and time again. Sport's got a real problem with that. And with accountability, admit, uh, yeah, accountability. Yeah, absolutely. And if anybody's interested in that subject, we did an interview with Michael Bennett, who touched a bit on that. Didn't yeah, he? it's worth yeah, going yeah. back and, and listening to. Just one idea on that. I've thought about this. I think, I think the FA should probably, and I know that every country's got their own FA, but they should probably siphon more money into the likes of Wales and Northern Ireland and Scotland, because if you create more clubs that these players can play for, like you look at the Welsh setup, if you look at the Welsh national team mm. compared to the Welsh league, which is pretty much part-time outside of, I think, two clubs, you think you've got like Ramses and Bales of this world. If you had more competitive leagues that these players could go to, I think that would massively help. We don't, we funnel money through the Premier League. And if you could share it out a little bit I more. Mean, you only have to look at Scotland's top league and there's two teams in there that, that can compete and the rest of them... Hibs and hearts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the rest of them can't. So, yeah. and, that, and that was that was only. Well, I mean, that's been for a, a long time, and now the two teams in that league can't compete against anyone else. But yeah. that's the that's the crux of of almost ev- almost every single oh, story yeah. we've spoken about tonight is mm. the 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 greed at the top of the uh, of the game. Unfortunately, mm. feels like slightly sour note to end on. To be well, honest, I think there's a pressure. F- it's 
self-renowned as the sort of or renowned as the best league in the world and I don't think people want to take money from it from fear it'll fall behind but just mm-hmm. a terrible attitude to have because I think it's too established to fall behind Yeah, it's just someone who earns 200 grand might earn 150 grand <laughs> it'd still be a really good <laughs> league that's, mad, that, that's the world that's we live mad, in isn't, isn't it, it? Oh, what if we don't have two fullbacks for 40 million <laughs> what if we only have one and the other one costs 15 million oh mom I want two 50 million pounds and mm. you can only have one for Christmas you can't have them both um, chaps I think it's probably probably about time for us to wrap up thanks to thanks to both of you for your for your thoughts and for your chat and for your loveliness. And thanks to you, the listener, for joining us on this journey through the episode. <laughs> Fucking hell, <laughs> Jesus. Um, we'll be back. <laughs> I've gone off. Honestly, I've got, uh, we need to wrap up here. We uh, will be back on uh, on Monday with another episode from our archive. Uh, this week's Dive Back in Time season is heading back to November of last year. And we'll be talking to the cartoon king. It's David Squires. Yeah, I ask him about spiders and all sorts. You do? It's great. You do? It was good. Top it was fella. very, very good fun. Uh, if you've enjoyed today's episode or any of our other episodes, you can give us a little rating, little review on Apple Podcasts or whatever else. You get your podcasts, of course. And uh, you can get in touch with us on Twitter. Our handle is at marking underscore man. And don't forget to use the hashtag where's the talking lads. And yeah, I think we're done. We done? I think so. I think so. Ta-ra. Ta-ra. Bye. You can run, you can hide, you can run, you can hide, you can run.